Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. First up, let's talk to GP TV presenter Dr. Dawn Harper, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Dawn. Good morning. Good morning. Look, a lot of people are changing the way they're behaving, certainly the hand washing. I have to say, my hands are getting a little bit sore, doing quite a lot of the hand washing. We know soap and water is better than all these gels, uh, and it's got to be hot water. It's to every, we've been drummed into us, hasn't it? The 20 seconds, sing happy birthday twice, or the first verse of God Save the Queen. Uh, and that's the sort of amount of time you should be looking at. But, um, I mean, why do we need to be told to wash our hands? And what difference does it actually make? I think washing hands actually is the one really sensible piece of advice. Um, and I think most people assume that coughs and colds and coronavirus are spread by coughs and sneezes. In fact, the biggest risk is touching hands because the virus can exist outside of the human body on surfaces for several hours. So if we get into the habit of washing our hands um, whenever we've been out touching surfaces and so on, I think that's a really good practice. And perhaps we have become a little bit complacent about hand washing in recent years. So it's a good practice anyway. But for the vast majority of us, I think um, listening to your uh, your guest saying that he's cancelled a visit to Japan because he's a little bit older and has asthma is a very sensible thing to do. But I think for the vast majority of us, we have to remember that this, if we are exposed to it, will be a mild illness. Uh, it's a little bit like catching a cold and we wouldn't be getting into a total panic about uh, the cold viruses being spread around at this time of year. So we need to be sensible uh, and not panic, but actually the hand-washing thing is as much about protecting those who would be vulnerable rather than ourselves in many ways. Yes. For those of us that are otherwise healthy. I mean, there's also to talk about you know, people cutting down a lot of their social contacts, so people trying to work from home where they can, not travelling on public transport, maybe not uh, visiting, particularly if you've got elderly relatives uh, not visiting, still making contact, but uh, perhaps not spreading the, the, the virus. Um, th- we are talking, we're seeing schools now, some schools uh, closing down against the actual advice of their health experts, uh, unless there's been a specific uh, a case in the school um, but are we are we really do you think over the next few weeks going to see us having to really limit our travel uh, not just internationally but nationally but also limiting our social contact even with friends and family I think it's an evolving situation actually Julia so um, as things are at the moment 
the advice is not to be closing schools and stopping uh, big social uh, functions or things like the London Marathon or Cheltenham Race Week or, you know, big football matches and so on. Those are expected to still go ahead. I think, to be fair, we saw 12 new cases uh, yesterday and I suspect we will see more cases again today. And it's about trying to contain that spread. And at the moment, I don't think we need to be avoiding social contact. It is simply about taking sensible small measures, and that is the hand-washing thing. Uh, we may well see an increase in numbers, and there may well come a time where we might need to review that advice, and there may be a, a point where we will be encouraging people not to make such so much social contact. But at the moment, for the vast majority of us, we can go away and, and lead lives as normal without concern. OK, thank you very much. Very reassuring. Dr John Harper, GP and TV presenter. Well, let's talk to Paul Johnson, who's director of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, uh, the uh, very well-respected uh, economics think tank. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, obviously, a lot of what the Prime Minister had to say alongside the Chief Medical Advisor and Chief Scientist Advisor yesterday was, you know, about worst-case scenarios. We may not get those worst-case scenarios, but the possibility of six million people being off work, uh, no mass gatherings, limits on uh, international, indeed national travel... Uh, people being told, you know, not to go out, not to go out to uh, restaurants and bars. This can have a huge impact on our economy, can't it? Well, that's why the stock market's um, collapsed so much over the last um, couple of weeks. I mean, it rebounded a little bit yesterday, but a knocking on for 10% fall over a couple of weeks is pretty extraordinary, much the worst that we've seen since the financial crisis back in 2008. Now, I think probably an overreaction if that's just about the coronavirus, but it's a kind of indication of the degree of uncertainty that's there. Now, there will be clearly some short-run effects, and actually, oddly enough, the smallest short-run effect is likely to be from people staying at home because they're sick. Um, the bigger effect will come from the sorts of things that you've just described, people not going on holiday, not going to the restaurants, not going to big events, because those are uh, you know, significant parts of the economy. And of course, if you know if it doesn't happen today, most of it's not going to happen again in the future. And that's the key thing, isn't it? When we, when we see bad uh, weather, you know, a load of snow or loads of heavy rain that's not predicted and people don't go you know, buy their barbecues in the summer or they're not out shopping uh, over the winter months, uh, that can have a huge impact uh, on the economy over, over, the, over the year, uh, despite the fact that it may be only, it feels like it's only for a few days or weeks. Um, in terms of how the government handles this, with Bank of England Governor um, Mark Carney has talked about possible interest rate cut, um, We've got this, the the budget from Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, next week. I, I imagine there's quite a lot of frantic late night working at the moment, allowing for the fact that a lot of the spending plans are going to have to be affected by what, what sort of tax receipts are going to be coming in. Well, it does make the budget quite tricky because um, I mean, one problem for the Chancellor is that the key economic forecasts will have been made a couple of weeks ago and they're probably not going to have time to change the numbers that actually appear in the budget so he's going to be working with some forecasts which are broadly speaking not taking that much account of the of, of the virus um the, in terms of the the longer term spending and tax plans I mean, hopefully it won't make that much difference because if this is a one-off thing that lasts for three months, then you might expect the economy to do badly and possibly really quite badly this year as a result. But you would expect it to rebound into the future because in the, in the end, this is a one-off 
we hope, a one-off thing rather than a long-term uh, impact. And that's the thing, isn't it? The, the fascinating, uh, difficult choice that the, the prime ministers in these situations have is the, the trade-off between uh, sort of cutting down the, the impact of the virus, uh, but also the, the massive impact on the economy, which can also have uh, an impact on people's health long-term as well. Um, in, in terms of what can be done economically to improve things, um, is there anything that the government is not yet doing, which they could be doing, which could make life easier? I mean, we know obviously there's big concerns about, for instance, people getting their sick pay and, you know, five million people who aren't on staff, who work full time, aren't even entitled to any statutory sick pay. We've got concerns about people claiming their universal credit and the like. Is there anything that the government can do that could make this all a little bit easier for the economy? Well, I mean, the things you were describing would certainly help, and they'd particularly help individuals probably a little bit more than the economy as a whole. I think it's a reflection of the extent to which the labour market has changed, that we do have so many people who are not on normal, permanent, full-time contracts who would expect to get that sick pay in any case. I mean, again, over the next um, several months, it's, I mean, there, there's a limited number of things government can, can do. Clearly, it's important that, as, as they have said, that they don't overreact in the short run. I mean, you could could say, well, you know, if everyone was, you know, confined to base yeah. for the next two weeks or month, then you might, um, you know, that might have a, a bigger impact on limiting the spread of the virus. But the cost of that, not just economic costs, but the social costs would be too big to, to bear. So I think you have to make those kinds of trade-offs. We might well, I would expect, see some additional money for the health service, for example, over the next, um, uh, over the next uh, during during the budget because yeah, that's going to help them deliver we might find that the chancellor says that there's more money for example uh, for local authorities to help with social care to help with uh, to help with uh, their community so he might open the spending um, taps a little bit to help in in very directed and yeah. very specific areas okay fascinating thank you very much indeed Paul Johnson director of the Institute for fiscal studies talk radio breakfast with Julia Hartley and the times be well informed selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's talk to Lord Charlie Faulkner, who's a former Labour Justice Secretary and joins us now. Good morning to you, Lord Faulkner. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. I, I, now, I did spot you across the crowded room at the uh, the, uh, the British Kebab Awards last night, so yes, uh, I hope I you're, in, you're in a good state this morning. And came to find you, but you'd gone. Well, I, I, I have there. to get up early for work. I mean, I'm a professional. While, while I'm still allowed to come to work before they decide to self-isolate me, then um, uh, I, uh, I, I thought it was a good idea to turn up. Let, let's talk about this, because, look, this is a really big issue. And I, I've, said, I've raised this with the Health Secretary a couple of times, and, and I've got to be honest, I've not had a, a reasonable answer to this, and I'm not quite sure how how we manage the finances or the the administration of this. But in terms of asking people to self-isolate, in terms of asking, it may well be millions of people being told don't go to work, even though they're not well, who then don't get, even though they're not ill themselves, who then don't get paid. This is going to be a big issue for not just the economy, but for individual families. Absolutely. And I completely agree with Neil and Richard that you should get sick pay even if you're self-isolating. And it's really a technical issue because the state recognises that where you receive a notice from a public health official that says you shouldn't go to work because you might contaminate other people, which is the law at the moment, you get sick pay in those circumstances. The problem is that you're never going to get a notice for absolutely everybody who should be self-isolating in relation to coronavirus. So it isn't the right thing to do just to tweak the law and tweak it now and say you don't need a public health notice from a public health body in order to self-isolate and get sick pay. And as Richard said, that would be what would really promote the economy. Because if we really restrict the spread of coronavirus, even though it might be quite widespread by comparison with other uh, epidemics, it will be much less than it otherwise would. The economy would be yeah. so boosted by that. Exactly. That's the thing. It'll be a, it'll be a cost to the to the tax to the state, i.e., to the taxpayer. But overall, not just saving lives, but uh, but actually also easing the economic burden overall. But this is it. There's, there's, it'll be there's... a cost. It'll be a cost primarily to employers. Yes. Because because the statutory sick pay burden. Although it's described as statutory, it's imposed by statute, it's the employer who pays it. Yeah, indeed. But again, again, people don't get it for the first three days. And again, a lot of people can't afford to lose, uh, you know, half of their working week's uh, pay. And again, I think a lot lot of people, when they make these laws, this this is about someone, you know, swinging the lead and being off with a little bit of a cold. We're talking about people having to be off work because they could be causing the death of other people if they turn up to work, aren't we? But there's there's a difference between people who are entitled to statutory sick pay anyway. Um, uh, uh, because they're they're their staff and are making sure they get it, um, whether they're being self isolated or actually ill themselves. Um, again, quite apart from the fact that that money is is barely enough for most people to pay their rent, I- I- let alone any other costs of living. Um, but then it's the people who aren't actually entitled to anything at all. But yeah. also, again, how how we also guard against people if we're not going to have formal sick notes, if we're not going to get people getting having to go to the GP to get that note uh, to be entitled to it because we don't want people spreading the virus that way. The fear that there will be people, and there will be, people who take the mickey uh, and get themselves signed off uh, and, and don't go to work. I mean, given that the, the financial incentive is pretty low, uh, it may not be too many people, but th- there's always going to be a balance there, isn't there? Absolutely. And it's not just 
the self-isolating people. Also, the rules at the moment require you to get a doctor's note after seven days. And what we're talking about here is 14 days. And I think you should change the rules in relation to that and say you can self-isolate without a doctor's note or be off if you're feeling ill for 14 days without a sick note. I think also the point that you made a few moments ago, it only kicks in on day four, not on day one, and that will have a significant impact on some people. It should kick in at day one. Those three measures alone are bound to save mm. the country a lot of money because it will reduce the spread. Yeah. I also think uh, that are, there are people who are employees but not workers And that's all a technical issue about whether you're self-employed, but generally working for the same employer as opposed to employed. And if you're self-employed, but generally working for the same employer, you should be entitled to sick pay from them. There are certain people who plainly are self-employed. For example, very many cab drivers are the best example. There's nothing you can do to give them sick pay. But my experience, particularly of black cab drivers over the last few days, is that they are taking precautions in their cabs and they are being very conscious of it. But there are certain self-employed people that you just cannot make arrangements for statutory sick pay to be made available to. Yeah, exactly. It's such a difficult balance. But there's also concerns about people claiming universal credit. Uh, Obviously, delays getting that, but also the fact that people are required to turn up. And then we certainly, uh, Sky News got hold of some documentation showing that people are still being required. They might say, I don't want to go to the job centre. I might uh, might catch something. Well, you know, everyone's actually got to turn up to work still. um, And unless or until things get very desperate, those rules will stay in place. But do you see at some point those rules changing? Well, at the moment, and this conversation that we are having identifies this, the question is, should your focus at this stage be to, to, to provide as much protection as possible against contamination? Or should your priority be to stop people abusing the rules? And plainly, at the moment, it should be uh, to stop contamination. And that's why you should be as generous as you possibly can yeah. in relation to coronavirus. In relation to the broader picture, well, all of the problems about universal credit, in particular, that you have to wait a very long period before you get paid, are will be come right to the fore at this particular moment because of the pressures on people to depend upon their benefit. And if you depend upon your benefit in order to do the right thing by uh, the state not working, then you're going to find if it's very difficult to get that benefit or if it's very unfair to you or, or if it's punitive, you'll be less inclined to do that. And the consequences for the nation will be bad. Are you uh, confident that the government is on top of this? So the press conference yesterday with Boris Johnson and the chief medical officer, the chief science officer, a lot of people being giving you know, a lot of praise for actually the handling of this and, and you know coming out and talking about what may happen in the future. We're looking at in six weeks' time, very likely is when we're going to see the peak uh, of, of the infections. Uh, are you confident that the government is on top of the, uh, the, uh, the the machinations of what needs to be done? I don't know what the true position is as far as they are concerned. I don't know what they're being told internally. I have honestly been impressed by the extent to which they've gone into an aggressive mode and what appears to be an open mode in trying to deal with the virus. I think the balance between being open with the country and at the same time not causing the country to panic, to panic has been well done by them. But I'm looking from the outside. Uh, 
I think that they are providing some degree of leadership, which I'm admiring. Uh, I think we should be supporting the government as much as we can, because this is a national emergency. We've all got to hang together. At the moment, it looks to me like they're doing the right thing. OK, Lord Faulkner, thank you very much for joining us, former Labour Justice Secretary. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Well, let's talk to Karen Robinson, who's host of the Primarily 2020 podcast and joins us now. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, Julia. Um, now, you, of course, you're a, life, a lifelong Democrat. Um, uh, in terms of uh, where the race stands now, has this been a game changer, Super Tuesday? Well, you know, it has been a game changer in terms of uh, where the race stood as of yesterday, because yesterday it looked like Sanders was, was the clear front runner. Um, Joe Biden has now put himself back where he was before anybody started voting, if you will, in that um, he was long the, uh, the significant frontrunner in the race. He's now taken a, looks like he'll take a lead in pledged delegates. So it is definitely looking like it's a two-man race, effectively. Um, Mike Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren weren't much of a factor yesterday. Um, so it is kind of coming down to that. And certainly Biden had an extraordinary night. He outperformed his polls. And there are some really interesting factors in it. For example, I've just found out Biden seems to have won um, first-time voters last time. Now, remember, Sanders' whole argument was that he would be the one who would bring in new voters, first-time voters, younger voters. Now, Biden's coalition is older than so Sanders' coalition, but Biden won the people who came out for the first time in the primary. That, so, that, they are very crucial voters. Actually, the ability to actually get people out who've not voted before is, is basically the Democrats don't win unless they do that. Absolutely. It's absolutely vital. Another group of people that it's really important for Democrats to get out is African-American voters who overwhelmingly went for Joe Biden by huge margins, um, which has long been predicted. I mean, he has always had a lot of strength in the African-American community, which we first saw show up in South Carolina. That was the, the state to vote previous to this, where he had an overwhelming majority driven by African-American voters um, who make up a significant proportion of the Democratic voting coalition. And of course, we need them to come out and vote in November. Um, if we get this sort of same number, same levels of African-American participation that Obama did in 2008, we'll be doing very well. So it, it really is interesting how it scrambles people's thinking about what a good turnout model for Democrats yeah. is. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. That, I, mean, I suppose it's not extraordinary if you think about this race every time there's a candidate. It does often go down to the wire, even did with Hillary Clinton, even though she had those super delegates all sewn up ahead of the, of the July convention. Um, but I mean, not a good night at all for uh, uh, the Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. She's looked like she's come third in her own state. Surely she must be you know, heading towards moving out of the race. Uh, but of course, Bloomberg, uh, Mike Bloomberg, who's basically the, the billionaire Mike Bloomberg, who's trying to basically buy his way into the race, some sort of £700 million, pound, million dollars, so he's already spent in just a, a few weeks uh, to get into the race. It doesn't look like this is paying off. I mean, he won Samoa. Well done, uh, Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> is there any point him staying in the race? Is there still a role for him in terms of possibly coming through the middle when Bernie Sanders' people are never going to vote for Biden and Biden's people are never going to vote for Sanders? Could he possibly be the sort of compromise candidate? Um, well, I don't think he works as a compromise candidate in any far, regard. He's far too right for the Sanders people, he's isn't he? further right than Biden by far, um, and he's only kind of intermittently a Democrat. Remember, he, he won one office in New York as a Republican and then as an independent, kind of only later becoming a Democrat. Yeah. So, I well, don't, to, be fair, to be fair, Bernie Sanders isn't even a member of the Democratic Party. 
absolutely fair. But I think that doesn't position Bloomberg in a compromised position. Mm. I, I don't see a lot of argument for him to stay in the race. I think there is one group of people who probably like Mike Bloomberg a lot, though, and that's political scientists, because he's given them a wonderful um, academic test, uh, a real world test of the theory that money can't buy elections, because he's certainly thrown every, <laughs> every an extraordinary amount of money at it. He spent more than twice as much as all the other candidates combined, <laughs> um, winning almost no delegates. Um, he will get very little for his pain. So, um, well, we, we, we saw that in the uh, the election last time round when uh, Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump and, and didn't win. It does. I mean, I, in a way, I, I find that quite encouraging that you can't buy these elections. I mean, it is encouraging that you can't buy elections. It is worth saying Hillary Clinton won three million more votes than Donald Trump, so she just won them in the wrong places. So yeah, the electoral college that. is the electoral college. She knew the system um, she was in. If you had to put uh, money on it, who do you think is going to be the Democratic candidate? But also, who do you think has got the best chance of beating Donald Trump? Those two people not necessarily being the same people. Um, well, you know, it's 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 really going to be a knockdown drag out fight now for the nomination. Um, it's looking very close between the two remaining candidates. Um, it could could absolutely go either way. I think it's unlikely that either of them will get an outright majority, which is what they need to claim the nomination. So there will have to be some um, some some horse trading or negotiation about who um, who is able to claim those delegates at the convention. I, of course, I would say this, but I, of course, think that either candidate has a good chance to has an excellent chance to win the White House. They but don't. I will, Karen. Oh, come on, they don't. I, I will, the polling does not suggest that either of those candidates does. Oh, oh well. Well, first of all, absolutely, that's, un- that's categorically untrue. If you look at the head-to-head polling, they all, um, both of the candidates in question, are shown as being slightly ahead of Donald Trump. But slightly ahead of Donald Trump, given the Electoral College, doesn't win them the White House. Well, exactly right. That's exactly it. And we need to look at where you know, where people win in this, 100%. Um, and I think my point would be that although both of them have a good chance to win, I don't think Sanders has strength in the places and among the demographics that we most need. Okay. So Biden looks like a good bet in the upper Midwest where he's got a lot of strength. Well, let's wait and see. Thank you very much for joining us. A host of the Primarily 2020 podcast Democrat, Karen Robinson there. Thank you very much for analysis. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.